0: And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also.
1: As we stand together, let's pray together. Lord, um, as we embark on this Lenten journey, marking the beginning um, on this Ash Wednesday, I pray that you would be in our midst Um, As we move forward in the service and and pray, acknowledging, Lord, our brokenness before you, acknowledging that we are not what we're meant to be and the world is not what it's meant to be, Um, I pray that your gracious kindness would surround us and remind us um, that we can come boldly to your throne of grace um, and that you welcome us. And that you forgive us. And I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. The service is different today, so we're just off to the races. Reading, sermon, and then the good stuff. So, it'll be short, relatively painless, and that's all I can promise. Um, this Ash Wednesday, as I, as I prayed, we mark the beginning of the season of Lent. Um, and Lent has always been this time that's associated with the wilderness. Um, this idea that Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days to fast when, after he was baptized and where he was tempted, and even that 40 days was a picture of him enacting the story of Israel as they went into the wilderness for 40 years to follow closely after God so that they would learn what it was uh, to depend on him for all things, to depend on him for daily bread, to depend on him for water, um, to follow the, the pillar of fire by day, and to pause when the cloud would rest. They learned uh, who the Lord was in the wilderness. And that's what the season of Lent is about. This time when we move into a wilderness season on purpose to follow closely after the Lord. So as we... As we embark on that journey, when we talk about things, as I will in a minute, like prayer and fasting and almsgiving, it's always within that context about proximity to the Lord and knowing him more and knowing his ways more. Not this, these things that we're doing to draw near to him. He's already drawn near to us, but really is a way that we've talked about with Deeply Formed Life that we're more present to him, as he is always present to us. So what is it that we're gonna do tonight? Well, in a moment, uh, you will come forward, and you will receive ashes, and the sign of the cross on your forehead, and Dave and I will say, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. When we get these ashes, we're doing a couple things. The first thing is that we're remembering, and what we're remembering is our mortality. But we can't simply stop at the idea that the ashes are just telling us that we're going to die. We have to remember why it is that we die. Why is it that there is death in the world? The first time that the Bible uses this phrase about dust, coming from dust and returning to dust, is in the garden after the fall, when God tells the man and the woman and all their offspring that the ground is cursed because of them, that they'll withdraw the fruit of the ground through the sweat of their brow, and that they will die. The reason that we die is because of sin. It's the S word that maybe we don't like to talk about, but in the season of Lent, we have to. The reason that there is death is because there is sin. It is sin that gives birth to death in the world. And it's not something that happened, it's something that happens. We are like Adam and Eve. We continually choose another way. We continually choose to worship God's creation rather than him as creator. That's what Paul says in Romans 1, is that that's the fundamental movement of the heart, is that we're drawn to worship the things that God has made rather than worshiping him. And that's tough, because we just prayed God hates nothing that he made. (laughs) So we can get tangled up in chasing things that are good in and of themselves, but when we worship them as God, we bring death into the world, and we bring death into our lives. So that mark of ashes upon our heads helps us remember that the reason we are mortal is because we are sinners. And it's just a lot better if we all can admit that and take a deep breath and We're not hiding. We're just saying We are going to return to dust because of what happened in the garden and what happens in our hearts because we choose against God. That choice against God is fundamentally what sin is and it is sin that marks us for death. But that is not the whole story because the mark upon our forehead is not just a formless smudge, it's a cross. It's the shape of the cross. So we're not just remembering something that we're going to die, we are marked with the very remedy for our death, which is the cross itself. Sealed with the sign of the cross, we are not just remembering that we are sinners. We are not just left to ourselves simply to die. We are given and reminded of the remedy that God has given us for death, for sin, which is the cross. And as I said, We engage in Lent to follow after Jesus in the wilderness as we prepare ourselves for his passion, as we prepare ourselves to meditate on what he accomplished for us on the cross. We follow Jesus on his way to the cross because we know that it is there where death goes to die. It is there where sin goes to die. And so if we want that remedy, we follow him to the cross. So the mark is a mark of remembrance, but it's also a sign of the remedy for what we're remembering. So the question is, how do we partake of the remedy? How is it that we best remember? And this is where Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, helps us. He calls us to three disciplines. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And Jesus is a master of the heart. He says, where your heart is, your treasure will be. And he understands that these things can be used in a way that gets us no closer to God at all. That we can perform them in such a way as to win praise from others. Or we can do them with sincerity and honesty in such a way that the Father sees us in secret and rewards us. That's what it's about. Drawing near to the one who is drawn near to us. So Jesus says, when you fast, the assumption is that you will fast. When you pray, the assumption is that you will pray. When you give, the assumption is that you will give. And that these disciplines are all means by which we say no to ourselves and say yes to God. I want to talk a minute about fasting. Maybe you haven't thought about what you're going to give up for Lent. Maybe you've thought a lot about it. Maybe you aren't going to give up anything at all, and you can fast from all kinds of things. This is very typical. Um, people, you know, fast from alcohol or social media, things like that. I would encourage you to consider the idea of fasting from food, on some level, um, because it's so connect. It's that most primal appetite, <laughs> um, it, and because we are fully embodied beings and not just brains on a stick. When we say no to our body, there's something that happens in our spirit, um, and that can look like a lot of different things. Let me just give you a simple example of this would be like a, a life hack power combo. If you could do all three at once of so prayer, fasting, and giving, do any Striver Dallas types want a power combo spiritual practice? I think I think so. Every day, what some people do and just consider this as an example that you could apply in different ways. Choose to fast one meal during the week and that you take the money that you would have spent on that meal and you set it aside for almsgiving to give to the poor and then instead of eating at that time, you set that time apart for prayer. All three in one. It's fantastic. It's not about doing them all at once but it's, it's recognizing the thing that Jesus says in the wilderness. What does Jesus say in the wilderness? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He was fasting to a level that I don't think any of us will get to. 40 days? One day is tough enough. (laughs) He was saying no to his flesh, and he was attuned to the Father and his life in the body. So I... I would commend to you, just to prayerfully consider, even in the context of this service, what it is is that God might be asking you to say no to, in order to say yes to him. And consider this thought. I would just encourage you as we pray what's called the litany of penance, we're gonna say a lot of things about the tendency of the human heart. We'll say a prayer, "I, I get jealous. I love God's things more than I love him. If one of those things sticks out to you, then maybe that's what God's asking you to deal with in this season of Lent. Just a thought. So, prayer, fasting, almsgiving. Serving the poor, spending time with the Father in prayer, saying no to our flesh. Consider some practice around those things. It could simply be with prayer. I'm gonna say the Lord's Prayer once a day. Um, I see a spiritual director, we talk about prayer. He gave me a prayer exercise, which is, Lord, I give you my heart, soul, mind, and strength today, uh, and I pray that you would guide me by your spirit. Just said, say that prayer every day for six months uh, and see what happens. One sentence prayer. But it's just orienting ourselves to God. It's not performing to get anything other than being with the Father. So we can't make our repentance or our spiritual practices about ourselves, which is what Jesus warns against. They are always and forever about God. And they are meant to be means to draw us nearer to God. Because we're talking about the wilderness, I feel like I have full and free reign to quote a desert father, because they lived in the wilderness. They were the pros at it. This is Saint Peter of Damascus. And he says this about repentance. I pray that you would hear this as an encouragement. He says, even if you are not what you should be, you should not despair. It is bad enough that you have sinned. Why in addition do you wrong God by regarding him in your ignorance as powerless? Is the psalm true that the Lord is full of compassion and mercy? Full of Slow to anger and great kindness. If that is true, then we need not despair that we are not what we should be, and yet draw near to him. He goes on to say this, which I think is even more encouraging. If even repentance is too much for you, and you sin out of habit, even when you do not want to, show humility like the publican, the tax collector who beats his chest. This is enough to ensure your salvation. For he who sins without repenting, yet does not despair, much of necessity regard himself as, must of necessity regard himself as the lowest of creatures and will not dare to judge or censor anyone. So here that is encouragement. If even repentance is too much for you and you sin out of habit even when you do not want to, I think that's everyone. Show humility like the tax collector. That simple prayer has been collected by the church as the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Take that prayer with you. That is a great Lenten prayer. As I wrap up, I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that it is Valentine's Day as well as Ash Wednesday. I was trying to find a comparison This is like the Barbenheimer of days. (laughs) Um, And weirdly, both of those movies are about death. So, here we go. They kind of go together. Ash Wednesday, Valentine's Day, Barbenheimer. So, I'm going to close with some love poetry. (laughs) What is the greatest love poem in the Bible? Song of Songs the end of Song the Songs, you have this amazing uh, refrain. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. This is the great love poem of the Bible and it is sung between the bride and the bridegroom. In a moment, we will bear on our head the sign of the cross that we will set as a seal upon ourselves. It is a reminder that our great bridegroom has set upon us his bride, his seal. And it is not now true that love is as strong as death. It is true that love is stronger than death. We proceed into the wilderness in hope of resurrection. We know the end of the story. That is our great hope, that out of the ash he raises us up. From the dust, he creates us, and from the grave, he is going to raise us up on the last day. Love is stronger than death. That's our great hope. Pray with me. Lord God, on this Ash Wednesday, now as we take this seal, this mark, we pray that it would be a seal of love upon our head, that the sign of the cross would remind us of your strength, your love for us as we pray together this litany of penance Lord that we would hear the Holy Spirit convicting us not the voice of condemnation and if we hear the voice of condemnation that we would reject it for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus but conviction is your invitation to draw nearer to you so as we pray as we meditate on our mortality as we Repent of our sin, we pray that you would draw near to us as we draw near to you. We pray this in the holy name of Jesus, amen.